I was like, wow, all these other people are screwed up. They need help. I need to dive into all of this. I need to dive into the performance enhancing drugs. I need to dive into the metabolic adaptations that are happening. I need to help these women get bailed out of this situation that they're in without going, oh, I think I'll just do another show so that they can cut and look lean again and get stuck in this vicious cycle. Let's link up with Krista on The Fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. What's going on, Fix listeners? Welcome back to our latest episode of the Fix podcast. I'm your host, Krista Huber, and I have a great guest to introduce all of you to. You actually may recognize her voice if you've listened to our last few episodes. A couple months back, I had the pleasure of being interviewed myself by today's guest, fellow coach, Connie Nightingale. Connie is just a ball of energy. I love her passion. You're going to hear it in her voice. You're going to hear it throughout this conversation. She keeps it real, which you know is kind of like a non-negotiable here at the Fitness Fix and on the Fix podcast for sure. So I have no doubt that this is one of those conversations where you are going to want to listen to it twice. You might even want to take some notes. I sure was the entire time. There are just so many really great nuggets in here about mindset about your fitness journey, about maturing in the gym, about maturing in your relationship to food, about really understanding this idea that your journey is a lifelong journey. As cliche as it might sound, it's just the truth. And the reality of making all this work, as you will hear Connie share in this episode, is recognizing, acknowledging, and pushing through to understand the fact that there's never a stopping point. If you want to be the healthiest version of yourself inside and out, but appreciate what your body is able to do versus hating it into this crazy physique that's not even worth maintaining, you have to acknowledge that there's no stopping point. But as Connie shares, you also need to recognize that grace needs to be a key ingredient of your process in getting to wherever it is that you desire to go. And then more importantly, ultimately stay. So we talk through Connie's experience from being in the world of bodybuilding to eventually getting into the world of powerlifting, how her ups and downs, some things in her personal life with her own family really kind of turned all of them on to changing the way that they ate and what that did for their physiques, but then also what, how that led her to explore some of these different areas of the fitness industry. And then ultimately how all of that then influences the way that she coaches her clients today. Connie has an incredible podcast. Like I said, I was on it. Uh, so I think it's a great show, but seriously, I love listening to her. Her podcast is currently called the fit farming food mom podcast, but that may be up for a rebrand. So stay tuned. I strongly encourage you guys to jump to the show notes. Make sure you're following this woman. You do not want to miss out on all the information that she shares. And I can't wait to hear everybody's feedback on this one. Before I let you into the show though, in light of everything we're speaking about in this episode today, I have to acknowledge the fact that we are in the heart of the holiday season. Thanksgiving has come and gone. Christmas is here. We are celebrating an official three years of the Fix podcast. We celebrated our three-year birthday for the Fitness Fix, the, the coaching business itself back in October. So this time of year is a really big one for reflection for me, as I've mentioned in the last few episodes and some of my introductions, if you've caught those. And I want to just be the voice to remind you, me and Connie even touch on it. Do not be the one who gains weight during the holiday season and push yourself to focus on maintenance. But if you're residing and you're basically shooting everything down to January, you're kind of kicking the can down the road. If you're already committing to this fact that I will just worry about in January, what I want to achieve, you are doing yourself a major disservice because the next holiday season, I just did an entire episode on this, is going to come either way. And you have to be prepared for it. And if you know it's something that typically trips you up, you know it's something that typically causes you to be unhappy, uncomfortable, gaining weight, wishing you didn't put yourself in a position where you feel so stuffed after a certain dinner or you're trying to get dressed for that holiday party and you're like, why the heck does this dress that fit me last year not currently fit me this year? 
you're so much better off if you do something about that right now. So keeping it easy for you, head to the show notes, apply for one-on-one coaching. You just missed our Black Friday special. We did officially close it on Black Friday, but I am maybe, just maybe, if you're a listener of this show and you mentioned in the how did you hear about us question, you mentioned that's how you applied for coaching, might be able to swing a little bit more of that promotion your way if you apply for coaching before the end of December. So don't wait, go ahead and do it. It's going to put you in the best position possible to have a very successful 2024. It's going to give the both of us the opportunity to support you and support yourself without rushing the process so that by the time we get to Memorial Day, the the time of year, the date, you know, that May 30th, 31st, that weekend, the Memorial Day weekend, the season for the summer officially kicks off, it's rolling around and you are so excited to just enjoy the summer in working on your relationship with food over the next six, seven months, you're putting yourself in the best position possible to make that your reality, but then also make it your path for your forever. So let's do it. Apply for coaching. It's a quick application. It takes less than 10 minutes to fill out. We'll hop on a Zoom. I'll get to know you better. We'll talk through to see if the Fitness Fix is the right program for you. I'm pretty confident that it is if you're a longtime podcast listener. So go for it. You have literally nothing to lose. Well, you do have stuff to lose and losing the body fat you want to get rid of and everything to gain and gaining the muscle that you desire. So let's do it together. Let's make this happen. There's no pressure. You apply, we talk, we see if it's a fit. We decide, Hey, it is. You join our amazing community. I'd love to welcome you into it. Would love for you to meet our new coach, Kate and be a part of everything that the fitness fix is all about beyond you just currently being a podcast listener. So with that, I'm going to stop talking. You are going to apply for coaching as you're listening to this episode or right after, or maybe even right before, AKA right the second hit pause and go do it. And let's welcome Connie Nightingale to the Fix podcast. Connie, welcome to the Fix podcast. So excited to have you here. We've been talking about making this happen for several weeks. I was just on your show recently. I actually played the replay for everybody on the Fix side of things not too long ago. So I'm excited to kind of like, flip the script, you know, finish out the story here and get to learn a little bit more about you because you only gave me a very brief snippet in our conversation about your journey. And I'm like, yo, we need to go talk about this. So that's what we're doing today. So thank you so much, first and foremost, for being here. And as I mentioned, like, you know, from listening to my show and as we do with all of our guests to kick things off, tell us what your go-to coffee order is. And you got to flash the mug because it's so cute. Well, I actually is there coffee uh, in there or is it tea? Oh, oh, it's coffee. We okay, don't yeah. mess around with tea. No, no cool. tea around here. My kind of girl. Um, I knew it. So, liked you. Yeah. So go to coffee order. Well, I actually have my own little espresso machine at my oh. house because I like to save myself some money. Yeah, so, girl. you know, I do the, what is it? It's the, it's some protein MCT oil coffee oh, yes, creamer. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then a little bit of vanilla stevia in some organic dark roast coffee. And we're sounds delish. Hey, yeah. I, you're saying that as I literally this morning, I was getting this coffee. I had like, I went to get my hair cut, all these things. I feel like I've already lived a day and it's only noon my time. And I'm like a diva. I have a certain person who's been cutting my hair since I was 10. Shout out to my guy, Alex. So I drive over an hour for him to see me or me to see him. And I got coffee on my way back. And I'm like getting a coffee and the, I like, I see it like come on the thing and I'm like, there's no way this is what this costs. And then they like reset the register and it was like seven 95. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. And granted it is a latte, but still. So I respect the decision to make the cup at home because with the amount of caffeine that I know you probably play around with over there, like me, it can add up kind of quick. So I totally get that girl. And you're, you're, it sounds like you've perfected the cup. You have oh. your... Oh yeah. Like when I go to a coffee stand now or like Starbucks or anywhere, I'm like, okay, this is not even good. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not it's, Connie's cup. We can yeah. brand that shit. Cause it it's, sounds good too. I love it's, it. It's not the signature blend. Right. So, yeah. and, and to that point, like, you know, I went, I was, I drive to Portland once a month to go train with my coach. Um, cool. I'm a power lifter and you know, it's funny. I stopped at Starbucks and I got a coffee and it was, I feel like it was like $11. And I was like, 
People do this every day, what? though. You see them waiting in the in the line, but this is the same people where their health is falling apart, and they're like, "Oh, I can't afford a coach." I'm like, eleven dollars times thirty one days in a month. There Whoa, you go, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my god. No, it's so it's so true. We could probably do a podcast like just around that concept, and I feel like it'll come up in this conversation. So let's let's kind of go there right away. And I usually ask this question. I'm very curious what your answer is going to be, because I know you have a unique background. You're also a mom. You've had lots of different experiences. You've been in this industry for a long time, have lost the weight, gained it, transitioned focus. I was laughing at your Instagram pictures the other day when you posted a picture. I don't know how many years ago that was, but you were like, I thought I was really ripped then. And then you showed your now. And I was like, hell yeah, girl, like you're strong as hell. So I'm excited for us to kind of hear that story from you directly and give you more context to those photos. But the way I like to the position this with our fixed guests is asking you the question of forget the resume for a second. I know you're a coach. I know you're a power lifter. I know you probably have a million and one certifications, but I want to know why the fitness fix brand and why the fix listeners should care about what Connie has to say. There's a lot of podcasts out there. So why should they continue to listen to this specific episode and interview and conversation versus jump to the next one? I think this is an excellent question because I think you and I both came from a certain place in fitness where, mm-hmm. where the, the standard thing, eat less, move more, you yep. starve yourself, do hit cardio, do all these things. Right. But we have discovered that doesn't work. Yep. And so it is very important to know that our view views over fitness has changed and evolved over time. And now we have developed something that we have put into play over and over and over again, that we now know works, not only from a mental standpoint, but also a physical and emotional standpoint as well. Love it. I mean, we could just cut the episode right there, but now we got to back it up. So Uh let's back it up and talk through that. And tell me about your journey. I know, like I said, you just kind of alluded to a little bit of it when we were talking on your show about my experience. And I think a lot of what I went through obviously resonated with you, but I think we've also had some different experiences because for as much as I would love to say I've dabbled in powerlifting, it's nowhere near to the experience of yours. And that's more so just because that's the style I like to take when I go into the gym, but I would never put myself in that category because I've never competed or anything like that. And I know you've had experience in the competition aspect in more ways than one. So mm-hmm. walk us through that. Like how the heck did you get here? And then we can talk more about the type of client you work with and everything too. Well, so sweet and condensed, this is a long story. Well, I'm going to try well. to put it all into a nutshell all here, but yeah, but, uh, back in, uh, 2014, we had to change our diet because our son was having some problems. And so we had to go on a really extreme diet and it was called the gaps diet. Oh, wow. And- I'm not even familiar with it. It's very, very restrictive, very, very extreme. However, I remember sitting in, we tried everything medically to try to help him. Couldn't get there. I started grasping at straws. Right. And so I go and I, I go to this conference, uh, and I sit down and this lady's talking about the gaps diet. And I was like, holy shit, this could do it. This could be the thing. Right. Okay. And I knew because the way she was uh, explaining about how the gut and the brain and all these things are related, how important it was, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I not only needed it for my son, I was listening to that and I was like, well, crap, I got some of these problems too. So being the crazy person that I am, came home, drained all of my cabinets, got rid of everything, started the GAPS diet, did it strict for 16 months. Uh, do people need to do that? No. So don't, don't read into this that way. Okay. Right. But yeah. uh, anyway, I learned a lot of things with that. So I had thought that I ate healthy and I thought that I was doing all the right nutrition things. Right. Mm-hmm. However, at the time I was 197 pounds at five foot two and I was feeling awful myself. And so we did this diet changed all of our lives, not only my sons, but also mine and my husband's and everybody in our family. Right. And so it was really crazy. Actually, funny little back. I mean, back spot to this is my husband, he was having all this wrist pain and all this back pain and all this stuff. And he was like, wow, I, I feel so good. I no longer have pain. Wow. Right? So this sparked something in me. It was like, people need to know that the food they're eating is technically poisoning them. Right. right. And sure. so I wanted to share that with the world. And then that also sent me down this crazy rabbit hole because I'm one of these rabbit hole people where I'm like, why? Okay. Well, why, 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 why? And I start getting into all the little holes. And next thing you know, I'm like, way into this holistic food space and blah, blah, blah. And everybody should stop eating gluten and stop doing all these things. Right. This mm-hmm. is one, like, you know, extreme one. Like, you don't, you don't, you only know what you don't know and sure. like all the things. Right. So totally. anyway, 
Um, then I start to work out again because I used to love to work out. I did a little bit of powerlifting in high school, which was fun. Um, cool. used to love to work out, started working out again because I felt great. I had lost 60 pounds, 70 pounds, felt great, started working out was eating a ton because I was eating all real foods. This was the key here. I was mm-hmm. eating all real foods, but I ate a ton. And I mean, we're talking sugar. We're talking all the things, right? Cause you got paleo treats. Cause we kind of involved into a paleo style diet, right? Okay. All these sugary paleo treats and all these things, yeah. but I was eating a ton of calories and I had essentially reset my system and I start lifting weights and I get what I thought was jacked. Right. Uh, and I'm lean and I, can't believe what's happening in front of my eyes. So then my home workouts, which were basic at first turned into these crazy workouts. I had a whole office full of workout equipment. Next thing you know, I'm like, dang, I could do a, I could do a bodybuilding competition. Right. So I told told my husband, I was like, I'm going to see what, you know, coaches are around and we're going to do a bodybuilding competition. So did a bodybuilding competition, (laughs) kicked ass at it, pretty much prepped myself until the last eight weeks. Maybe I got a coach. Amazing. And she helped me with all the nutrition stuff, which she did was a detriment. And that's a long story. But anyway, yeah. uh, I realized though, that this coach quickly on didn't know what she was talking about. Yes, she did great. She helped me with posing all these things. We did sure. excellent, got me addicted to bodybuilding, whatever. Anyway, she didn't know what she was doing. And in the off season, she wanted me eating like 1100 calories. And I was like, whoa, red flag. You can't build when you're not eating enough. So right. that was that. Okay. Um, Anyway, I got into doing a bunch of bodybuilding shows, ended up uh, pushing it to hired, hiring this IFBB pro coach. Mm-hmm. And I had a metabolic crash big time because mm. I didn't realize I had Hashimoto's number one. So I was having a hard time losing weight. Uh, and I had healed that Hashimoto's through doing the GAPS diet, but then you start extreme oh, wow. dieting. Okay. It, so looking back and seeing the lab work and now knowing all these sense. things, yeah. it made sense. Right. But mm-hmm. I started to stress my system out. What did that do? Stress my autoimmune disease out. Sure. And then not to mention all the other metabolic ramifications of getting less than 10% body yeah, fat. Stupid so yeah. anyway, anyway, um, so then I get done with my last show. I felt like crap. Luckily, I found a doctor that works with bodybuilders. And so she was very in tune to what actually needed to be run for labs. Amazing. And this whole time, obviously, I knew everything I was doing was wrong. But I also had this other side of me that was like, I'll fix it later. Right. Little did I know that it was really hard to fix. Uh, so here I, my last bodybuilding show, I was doing two hours of cardio a day, six days a week, lifting and eating 600 calories a day. Holy shit. Oh yeah. my God. There's no other reaction to that than just like, oh my God, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is, that's wild, especially because I didn't know that about you. And I know the conversations we've already had and I know how you feel now. Like it's just so fascinating. I, I want to expand on this statement of <laughs> I'll fix it later because mm-hmm. I think there's so much wrapped up in that. So let's do the little psychology piece of it first. What made you adopt that mentality? Like, was it just that you were so into the environment, the sport? Like, are you really, you seem like you might be pretty competitive. Like, what was it for you that you were like, I'm just going to maintain that mindset and get through it? Well, this is a multifaceted question, honestly, but, um, so at the time being naive and ridiculous, I thought, you know, here I am, (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, I'm like six, what, six years into my journey at this point. Right. I'm like, well, the only way people are, so I knew I wanted to be a coach. Like I was already trying to help people. I wanted to help people change their lives. I knew it. I thought the only way to do that. Don't ask me why this thing, I thought the only way to do that was to be a bodybuilding pro and IFBB pro. Right. Okay. And so you felt I needed that qualification of your card. I was like, uh, this, this is what I need on my resume. If people mm-hmm. are going to take me seriously. And then here I had this coach that was like, you're going to be pro by next year. Like she would say it daily. And she was like a used car salesman. And so the things just kept coming. Right. And I, and I, so the red flag, you know, the angel would be like, Oh no, you can't do that. That's terrible. That goes against all your beliefs. And then the devil is like, no, who cares? Fix it later. Let's do it. Sure. So, yeah. So anyway, I thought that I needed to have that accolade in order to be considered a quality coach. Okay. Uh, so, and, and then there is the competitive side of me. I, I know how to make things happen. And that's a lot of people are like, oh, you're so talented or no, I'm just bullheaded. That's all. Yeah. I, th- and I think you're really disciplined. Like I, mm-hmm. and that, that's more of what I was kind of saying of like, I could sense the competitive edge in you and, and that you're, you have, 
have had these experiences, but you also have been able to reflect now and understand like how they've shaped you. But in a way that we talked about on your show, the mess is the message, right? And Mm -hmm. this just idea of what you've done with it since I think is fantastic. But if we're going to keep this thread going and maintain the timeline, so you're at this point of two hours a day, cardio, 600 calories before you even tell me where you went next, I need to know how did you feel? And can you also clarify for the listener how hard it is to actually maintain a 600 calorie diet versus what some people think in their minds that they're doing consistently? Cause you lived it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to talk about. So five meals a day were four, I think four ounces of white fish and three, three stalks of asparagus every meal of the day. Holy shit. Yeah. And I did this. Um, so I did one show. I came up second and in the open and we wanted to get first. So then I was like, well, I don't care. 150%. I will know. I left nothing on the table to get this next show. So, Mm -hmm. so my coach was like, well, this is what your diet's going to have to be. And, and I can tell you, um, I remember it was not a lot and it was awful and your brain takes over, right? You can't control your cravings. Like you want to just eat whatever you can eat. Like you almost like there was pizza at one point there was pizza crust on the ground and there were ants crawling on it. And I was like, Oh, I'd eat that right now. It's so good. Yeah. (laughs) I totally understand it. I, I feel like I'm sure you, I feel like you would know this story because I feel like the two of you actually have like a similar like vibe. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with her, but this story makes me think of Natalie Newhart and her experience Mm -hmm. and just how she actually realized like what her relationship to food was got to such a scary place that she would not leave her house with her wallet because she, if she had her wallet, she would go to the grocery store and it would just be like a total, whatever can I get? Like, what could I get my hands on? And Mm -hmm. I get it. Like I, I've heard those things enough that I can understand it. And it's also interesting to hear you say that now, because I do see professionals really trying to like change the perception around how to properly prep for a show and -hmm. giving yourself the time to do it. And I've recently seen a few talk about in the weeks leading up to the show itself, when their cut is naturally at one of the most extreme points, a lot of them are really particular about what specific foods they're consuming, even more so than their calorie intake, because they want to get clear on what foods drive cravings for them and try Mm -hmm. to remove those things from their environment, but also from their options because they don't want it to be like Pandora's box. And I think that's cool that people have started to get that nuance with it to maybe develop better awareness if it's for the greater good of actually keeping your calories higher. And that's Mm -hmm. what I've seen. Like, obviously that's just a sliver and there's probably tons of people out there doing the exact opposite, but I can appreciate that. And I hope that there is a transition and, you know, my audience isn't necessarily even understanding of the world of bodybuilding and what it takes, but I think it's important for us to highlight why, because Mm -hmm. we have those average, let's call it for those of you listening to the show, we put you in the category of general population. And you're walking around trying to do all of the things to lose the weight and your pillar or picture of what you think is like the peak and what you want to achieve is some kind of shredded bodybuilder, bikini competitor, female, whatever, who you don't understand what she did to get there. And we can both promise you, you do not want her lifestyle. And I think you're living proof of that. I, oh, 100%. And that's the thing I always try to touch on, like so big. Like I have people come to me all the time, as I'm sure you do. They're like, oh, well, I just want to look like this girl right here. And mm-hmm. you're like, the, I mean, sorry, excuse my French, but the fuck you do. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't know literally. what it takes to be there. When mm-hmm. I was in that place and I was shredded and I was that thing that everybody wanted to look like, right? I could barely like the cardio room at the gym from the, the downstairs to the upstairs. There was two flights of stairs. Okay. I would, I could barely, like I'd step on the first three steps and I was like, I can't even make it to the top of this. Cause like, you're how? exhausted. Yeah. I felt terrible. And like, I, then I would get on the stairmaster and I'd put my head down and I'd put some freaking mentality crap in, in my earphones and I would check out, you know, I could emotionally shut off the pain, but you know, sure. it, to the point of where you feel so awful when you go to bed tonight, you don't know you're that night. You don't know if you're going to wake up the next day. It's like, is my body going to keep going? Like, I can't take the trash out. I can't think straight. Like it's an awful, awful feeling. And our body adapts to that. So it's like, Oh, Hey, Connie, you're eating 600 calories a day, expending X amount with your workouts. Well, your thyroid doesn't need to work because 
obviously you're using you're too not much supporting energy. It. You're yeah. going to pull all of these processes down and now you're at rock bottom. So now that 600 calories that you were eating is now the new baseline. It's all so then you what, get. Yeah, it's all you get, right? So maybe even less. So then when you do eat that 100 or 200 calories, you gain weight. Well, of course you're gaining weight because your body has adapted to only using enough calories to utilize 600 calories. So yeah. then you're in this vicious loop and you see people do this on a different level in society with what they are doing. And that's what inspired me. So at ground level, I was like, okay, now I see all these competitors. I get back into the doctor and the lab work and I see, start seeing all this stuff. And I see all these competitors having the same issues that I'm having. They can't come out of doing shows. Only I have introspection. And I was like, wait, I know what I'm doing is wrong. And right. I need like to this was this my, out. this was my responsibility to fix. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I told my body, I was like, I'm so freaking sorry, body. Like this was the realization. I was like, I am so sorry, body. I promise I'm never going to do this to you again. Never. I'm never going to starve you. It doesn't matter. You do whatever you have to do. I literally had this conversation with my body a million times, right? I was like, I know. I, I mean, I got fat. I got like, again, like 55 pounds after my show. And it was like, I was like, it's okay, body. I'm just gonna let you do what you need to do in order to figure your things out. And it was a hard thing because now you have other people's expectations on you right? You feel like people are like, well, you used to be fit and now you're fat. Well, then who's going to hire you as a coach, you know, but that's a whole sure. other discussion where I'm going with this is I was like, wow, all these other people are screwed up. They need help. I need to dive into all of this. I need to dive into the performance enhancing drugs. I need to dive into the metabolic adaptations that are happening. I need to help these women get bailed out of this situation that they're in without going, Oh, I think I'll just do another show so that they can cut and look lean again and get stuck in this vicious cycle. Right. Because that I think was what so many of them saw as an exit strategy because they'd have the rebound, like you're describing, and then they didn't know the way out, but who doesn't like being lean? Like people like how it, it looks right. Mm -hmm. And they like the idea of it. I think people glorify it even more when what, like we said, they don't really know what it takes to get to that certain extreme, but when that's all, you know, and when you've been working through this cycle of like build, then cut, then maybe get more extreme on the next one. And then, you know, I love that you also brought up the fact that you came in second instead of first, because I'm always curious about that. I'm always wondering if the person who is in that second place is just like, damn, because it's such a subjective, like it's not an objective industry by any means. So I would imagine that that's like really challenging because then you start asking yourself like, well, what if I just didn't do this one thing? And maybe it's not even the number on the scale because yes, if we're looking at the package, like there's so much more to it. And it's like, for whatever reason, this one judge didn't like this one thing that you did on that specific day that maybe you didn't even practice the pose like that. Right. Like mm -hmm. there's so many ways that we could start splitting hairs on that, but I'd have to imagine and that can really fuck with somebody's psyche. And then again, they, they're like, I worked so hard for this. Let me go do it one more time. And they just keep going through that. Or even maybe if they want to get out of it, they still associate some sort of happiness and success with being that lean that they still think that that is the ultimate answer of like fixing whatever's wrong inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you see it nonstop. I mean, in every industry, right. But in bodybuilding in, in particular women, I mean, even now with the, with social media, it's even worse, right? People yeah. do bodybuilding shows just so that they can make that transformation. And yes, some people have excellent discipline, right? They can do mm -hmm. anything. They can do two hours worth of cardio. They can eat 600 calories. Like that's not a problem, but what happens when you do this over and over and over again? And every time right. your body adapts, every time body adapts, next thing, you know, I tell people they're like, well, it's working for me right now. It's like, it is, but I made a post the other day. I was like, listen, if everything is great until it's not. Yep. Do you want, like, like you hear people say that all the time. They're like, well, my friend does that and they get mm -hmm. away with it. And it's like, okay, well, everything is good until it's not. Yeah. And when it's not, that's when you have to come to the realization that something is going to have to change. And oftentimes that changes and it is, it takes a lot more than the original steps, right. To get to where you need to go. Yeah, totally. And I have a variation of that same saying it's everything works until it doesn't, we can slice and dice every possible diet out there, all the different fads, whatever. And I find that as a coach, and I want your take on this because I feel like you'd have a lot to say on this subject. And I was just having this conversation with a client and I've kind of taken a step back to realize the role that we play as coaches 
is even when someone is very fixated on a specific outcome, when they can measure, particularly with our ladies out there, typically around the scale, and they let that take over as their measurement of their progress, they also forget to think three more steps ahead. And a lot of times that's because they don't know what the consequences could be of what they're currently pursuing. And I really try to explain that to clients often, like when it comes to our deficit phases, we're getting in and out as quickly as we can. Like at certain points, like I do, do I have uh, clients who go through like a 16 week deficit? Sure. But it's because we spent like over a year doing a lot of stuff. But for the most part, I'm like, let's do this in eight weeks because you're going to help yourself for a lot of reasons, but also for the mental piece of it, like forget the, the benefits of like the health side effects and all those aspects. And we can still get great results because we could do it again later. Like there's no rush to have to do this all right now. However, where I see a lot of my clients getting stuck is they might have a goal that's a few months away. And because they're cycling through a reverse diet, cutting, maintaining, they have this mentality of still wanting to get there so fast that they're Mm. willing to risk getting there almost too fast. In my opinion, because let's say you do hit a certain number on the scale, but you want to maintain that until Memorial day weekend guess what? You just made it harder on yourself. Like Mm -hmm. there's almost shouldn't be such a rush because let's be real. Your body doesn't want to be that number, which is why it's not that number right now. And Mm -hmm. if it wanted to be that number, it would get there with ease and a lot of discipline and all that too. But talk me through how you would think about that with one of your clients and how, how do you see that? Because I feel like so many people just, they want what they want right the second with the instant gratification that we then play this very important job of trying to help them see what's going to happen six months later if they choose that path. Well, so, you know, we'll break it right down to how a path looks, right? Like there might be two different directions you can go. You don't know the outcome, but one looks like maybe it's a little more steep. You might get there sooner. Right. And so you see people, they don't see the big picture. They see like, oh, this is shorter. Let's do this. They do it. And then that, that steeper pass falls off a cliff, right? Because they weren't looking at the big span in between things. They were only looking at that short. Yeah. And I mean, this happens in bodybuilding too. People will peak out too early because they had too much, you know, dieting or whatever it might be. And then a smart coach, will have to feed them back up and cut them back down. Or you'll hear people say like their excuse for not placing well is I peaked out too early. So I was flat and I had lost all my muscle tone and blah, blah, blah. So I think the hardest part about this is mentality. We have been sold that everything is instant, right? Slim fast. We lose X amount of pounds. If we drink slim fast or let's take this drug, this will happen. Nobody really wants to tap in and do the hard work. And oftentimes when people get to coaches like you and I, they've already tried, tried. I mean, I put try, I guard that because sometimes their try and my idea of try is two completely different things, but um, Hey, that's a good post in and of itself right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people have tried, but they've, they've still been road riding this mental and emotional roller coaster for so long, they no longer want to wait. The patience is gone, grown thin. Right. Uh, and so then they're like, okay, well, what can I do to just get this done? And I will tell you this in my own personal journey, I did that. I was that person. Right. And I, so even after I lost all of the weight and I was, I was like, so skinny, I have, I see pictures and it almost freaks me out. My, my, it was okay. It was a healthy skinny. Right. But I, I didn't have your perception. You didn't have the muscle. I've gone through the same exact experience. So I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember looking in the mirror and I, I was 119 pounds, I think, but I was, um, like I had no muscle and I was just hollow looking and I had cellulite Mm. and all these things, which cellulite's normal. I'm not demonizing it, but it was very soft look and it wasn't a good look. And I remember that day. I remember I looked in the mirror and I was like, there's no cheat code for this. The only way I'm going to fill this out is to start lifting weights consistently and to start working out consistently. And I had like this talk with my, myself in the mirror. And I was like, the only person that's going to do this is you. And you just have to dive in and you have to make a commitment and it has to be where you go for the rest of your life. Because guess what? You could build all that muscle. You could look excellent. But then if you stop, you're Mm -hmm. done. That's why balance is also a key to this. When you are coaching people, they have to do something they can envision doing for the rest of their life. Because if you stop, you're going to lose it all. Our body doesn't just, it's not just like drawing a picture and now it's there, right? We're in real time. Preach it girl. So we have to be able to make these goals that we can envision ourselves doing for long periods of time. Now, can there be cycles? Hell yeah. But you're not just going to do a cycle, get where you want to go and then be like, oh, 
I'm done now. And now everything magically stays. That's not right. how it works. Right. And to this idea of the cycling piece, how you get there is how you stay there. That's something I say to my clients often, but also acknowledging what you said about you have to be okay with this path for the rest of your life because take it from somebody who has completely shut down and stopped from being so burnt out. And I realized that while that method got me these results that at the time I really loved, the bigger picture was this isn't even worth it because when you have other shit that happens in your life that just feels like everything is falling apart. I woke up one day and was like, I don't care about tracking my protein intake. When I feel like my life that like decisions I made, that's what I really struggled with. I felt like my life was on fire and I had to take responsibility for that because I chose the decisions that led me to that place, but also that were then going to lead to where I would go next. Mm -hmm. And in the moment when you're, you have so much uncertainty and everything, you kind of say to yourself, like, why am I doing this? And then for me, from a fitness and nutrition standpoint, that turned into none of this stuff even matters. Like, why am I Mm -hmm. obsessing over the amount of protein that I'm consuming as just like one small example? So it really makes you question like, is it worth it to take some of these methods into consideration for these short periods? And that was my mistake personally. Like I just realized now, and I see this with clients, something to emphasize to everybody listening to this is the body that you desire is not happening through one reverse diet, one calorie deficit and one maintenance phase. And then by the way, the maintenance phase has to be your forever. If it's Mm -hmm. literally the definition of maintaining, right? Mm -hmm. But forget that piece for a second, the reversing and the cutting and that cycle. So many people are so quick to think going back to the quick fix mentality that it's only going to take one round of that. And it's just Mm -hmm. not because Mm -hmm. forget like the learning process and how your body's going to respond guess what else happens? Your life fucking happens. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be situations where it's not an appropriate time to diet. For example, this podcast episode, we're going to drop it in the holiday season in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. So let's use that to kind of develop this, this thought process further. How do you talk to your clients about the holiday season? And obviously if there's anything else you want to comment on with the rant, I just gave, go for it. But I'd love your take on that. Well, there's so many pieces to this and first I'll answer your question directly. So um, holidays, everybody. So I'm sure you have experienced this as well. I go through a slow time before Christmas because people, A, don't want to spend the money. B, they're like, oh, I'm just going to get fat anyway. So who cares? Right. The problem is, is so I just talked with a client about this the other day. Why not maintain? Just do the best you can. Right. Why be the statistic of the people who gain the five pounds? I did a post on it yesterday. Yeah. Like seriously, just do what you can. So, you know, Monday through Thursday or whatever, you aren't going to have any parties or things going on. So eat, make a commitment to eating well on those days. Right. And then when the weekend comes, if you have holiday parties, eat good the whole day. When you get to the party, enjoy yourself, enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the people. The next day, when you don't have a party going on, pick up where you left off. Don't be like, fuck it. I already Mm -hmm. ate a bunch of shit last night. I'm going to go to breakfast now too. Like that is not balanced. That is stabbing all of the rest of your tires after you already have one flat tire. We've all heard that analogy. My favorite analogy. Like it's not go big or go home and do the worst damage you possibly can. Like seriously, if you have a cut on your arm, you're not going to open it up further. So why would you do that with your nutrition? And that's where, yes, you can have balance because our body is like a bucket. It can only take so much shit, whether that shit is stress, whether that shit is food, whether it is relationships, personal stuff, outside stuff. I mean, you can get into a lot of splitting hairs here, right? Like glyphosate unorganized organic stuff like there's a million things perfumes like but all of these things feel fill our bucket and I tell my clients if we can keep the bucket load low by the things that we can control when we can't control something it's not going to make us overflow right so so there's there's a a direct answer to your question and then on another note um I think with the, the people getting I'm trying to figure out how to to formulate this here but um with the people that are afraid that there is, a, they want to have a stopping point, there is no mm-hmm. stopping point. And we talked about that. But the thing that is, is in my journey consistently there is having grace with yourself and having that introspection and asking yourself, is this a healthy thing for me to be doing right now? Like if you wake up sick, for example, I had a client wake up sick the other day, 
if you wake up sick and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to go work out anyway. You really got to ask yourself, is that the best thing for your body that day? Is it really, are you being nice to yourself or are you being an asshole? Because your body's already trying to recover. Now you just went and worked out and gave it even more stress and things it needed to work on. You know, so we have to start asking ourselves, are these behaviors healthy? And that's a lot of introspection, right? Like you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, I hate my fat tummy. Is that healthy? Is that being nice to yourself? Probably not, you know? So is going and eating extra food nope. for the holidays, you know, or, or like, for example, I had a client, a new client onboarding call last night. Mm-hmm. The woman had just got done doing a bunch of bodybuilding shows. She's all messed up. I can relate. Um, has terrible SIBO, highly stressful life, all these things. Well, ideally mm. we would do a low FODMAP diet, right? Ideally. But what's that going to do to her? She's already overly stressed. Yeah. Might make throwing- it worse for her right now. Yeah. The mental yeah. load. Right. Like the mental load of that type of diet. For those Mm -hmm. of you out there who don't know what it is, we could go back to our conversation initially around the gaps diet. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's not nearly as restrictive. I don't know as much about that one, but when it comes to low FODMAP, I find that sometimes it stresses people out more because it gets them to a place of being like, well, I can't go out to eat. Or if I do go to this restaurant, then I have to be super picky about what I order. Then they get inside their head and that makes them uncomfortable. And then mm-hmm. they're just feeling like it's overwhelming. I, I find that clients that have more success with it, take like more of a meal plan approach to it mm-hmm. just because they have to be so cognizant of what's a yes and what's a no. Mm-hmm. It works wonders, but mm-hmm. you have to be in the right mental headspace to do it. I really believe. And I'm sure you could speak to that way more than me because Mm -hmm. you probably have more clients that you've supported through that journey. Right. And that's exactly what I told her. I was like, Hey, listen, I said in an ideal world, this is what would happen. Is Mm -hmm. it ideal for you right now? Probably not because you have so many other moving parts right now. We need to do what we can do in order to help you heal, which is also going to include reducing stress. Reducing stress is not going to be throwing a crazy restrictive diet at you. So that's where a lot of times a good coach can help you on your journey because they can help you decide or pivot if something is not going right, right? And help you decide what's right and how we can get there. Now, will she get there as fast by taking in a balanced approach? Probably not, but her long-term health overall is gonna be so much better by scaling things back and doing what we can and not creating extra stress because over time, that extra stress is just gonna develop into more of a dysfunction than what we started with. Totally. And in her example, I love that because- it just really underscores this idea that we keep stepping over the speed is irrelevant because your life is going to continue to happen. Just Mm -hmm. as you said, I was literally taking notes because I want this to be a clip for promoting the show. This idea that there's no stopping point, but the, and that is a common thread because it's just inevitable and it's reality, but more specifically this idea of grace and the way you're speaking to yourself and not, you can't, the cliches of like, you can't hate yourself into the body that you really want. They're all so true. And, you know, I, I would love to hear more on this from you as somebody who has gone through big spikes and losses in your fat loss phases, but also in then gaining that weight, Mm -hmm. you touched on it and just kind of saying how you got to the other side, but bring me to the middle of being on that journey of the other side, because I know that my clients appreciate when I talk about this and I think it makes us so much more relatable. I said it on your show. I I went through a period where I gained over 45 pounds in what was basically a year. And that is, let's talk about speed. That was super fucking fast, Mm -hmm. especially for someone who never thought they would gain weight that way. I know why it happened. It was stress. It was lack of sleep. It was lifestyle changes. It was my comments around saying F the protein, but then taking it to such an extreme that I actually created a bad relationship with myself that turned into a bad relationship to food. And I found in trying to navigate this other half of the journey, sometimes it's hard. Like we're not sitting here saying that we don't have those moments where Mm -hmm. I go to put on a shirt and I'm like, I really don't like how this looks. But I also remember that I appreciate how much I've been able to do with the body that I have right now, professionally, in my personal life. I've gotten so much stronger in the gym. It actually made me like the gym again. So really trying to focus on some of those other elements that we tend to overlook when we're super fixated on the scale. So Mm -hmm. tell me your experience with that journey and how you feel like that shows up for you now, because we can sit here and say, like, don't talk poorly to yourself, but like, let's give people the tangibles. Like, how do we move past it? 
Well, right. And I think in bodybuilding, it's an extra oh, yeah. hard one. I can't even imagine. You're totally shredded, but you're looking in the mirror and somebody told you, you needed to make your delts bigger or your waist needed to be Specifically. more tapered or your yeah. ham tie-ins needed. And so then you start, that narrative starts to brew in your head because every time you look in the mirror, you're flexing and you're like, oh, well, yeah. my, sh- my shoulder is not big enough. It's a, you know, and it's a shredded great shoulder and you're, you're, yeah. make, you're giving it shit, you know, like, and it's. So it needs to start with the things that you love. And I know everybody's heard this thing, but I mean, for me, that was the true embodiment of how I moved forward. I was like, oh, I see this progress today. I see that my body's strong. I see that I can do this. Holy shit. I can do 120 pound lat pull down for me, the pivotal moment. And it's not going to be the pivotal moment for everybody because obviously I'm a strength athlete was starting to, and this happened far before I got into powerlifting, but was starting to identify the numbers I was putting on the bar. Like yep. every single lift, I was like, let's go heavier. We can do better than yeah. this. We, we can perform. It gives right? you something to look forward to for sure. And just like find that edge that, mm-hmm. that helped me a lot too. But like you said, it doesn't always ignite the same passion for maybe the average person because they didn't necessarily pay attention to that in the first place. But mm-hmm. that's where I would challenge you. Like you might fall in love with something else that you didn't even really know you were interested in. Like that's what happened to me. And mm-hmm. I actually found that it happened when I put, I had this conversation with my nutrition coach, like a year ago, I had asked him, I was like, do you want me to like track my lifts? And he's like, honestly, he was like, I want you to not track them, but kind of just keep a mental note, like know where you were. And I really change up my exercises. So it's only so many exercises. It's not that hard to remember. Mm -hmm. And he was like, just do it to see if it actually gives you some like Liberty to have fun when you're training versus like constantly working towards this specific thing. So you know, you start adding more to the bar. What does that feel like for you? And if let's say the person's not the geek about it, like me and you, what do Mm -hmm. you suggest to them? Well, so the thing is, I think it's empowering, especially as a female, right? And I'm going to talk to our females here because I think that's probably a majority of our listenership here. Yep. It is empowering to be a strong female. I don't know many females that just want to walk around meek and like submissive. And, you know, most of us want to be bosses. We want to own our life. We want all of that. That translates directly into the weight room. Like, boom, I can be freaking strong. I'm a strong woman. Like this should be the narrative, right? And then when you you transfer that over into the pounds that you're lifting or technique, like I want to be really good at this. So let me work on my technique or whatever it may be, right? So for me, right. putting weight on the bar was magical. Also, I had to reel things in a lot. You, I'm coming from a place where I was training practically seven days a week and I was, knew that wasn't sure. nice. I was like, I got to recover three days a week training for like two years, you know? Um, it was very, very hard, but the inner dialogue was a huge piece of that. If you heard anything coming out of your own mental dialogue, you had to evaluate it. Be like, mm-hmm. no, this is fucking bullshit. You're talking shit to yourself. You wouldn't tell anybody else this, like you look fine. And then for me, I look at bodies all the time. So all of a sudden I found myself appreciating normal bodies that were fit and healthy and had muscular development, but weren't stage lean. And I was like, damn, that girl's got amazing quads. It came to looking at the qualities in everybody else as well. And I know that sounds funny, but everybody has a quality, right? Yeah. And looking at these qualities and being like, these are amazing qualities. Is this person shredded? Like the people you see in the magazines? Hell no, they're not. But guess what? They have some amazing qualities, you know? And looking at all that might sound judgy, but it's a thing, right? Like appreciating the quality and not only yourself, but everybody around you is a really big key to that. And I've really seen that huge in powerlifting. And that's what I love. Many of these athletes are not lean, but damn it, they have some muscular development and some shape that is really incredible. And it's highly attractive, attractive. And maybe it's attractive to me because I am a strength athlete and I understand what it takes to get there, but also because it makes people's psyche so much more attractive when they're not trying to beat their body into submission, into doing something that it doesn't want to do. And naturally some of us aren't skinny. Some of us are meant to have some muscles. Some of us are meant to be strong. We're not meant to be a runner body or whatever way you want to type something. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Just that, that last piece you just touched on there we forget that because of the comparison and because there's this ideal, this standard, and it's so fascinating to even tie it all the way back into what you just mentioned about women wanting to be strong and how I found that the average person that we work with inside of the fitness fix, it's her biggest disconnect because professionally she's strong as a mom, as a partner, she prides herself on being the best, 
but it's such a priority in all those other hats that she's wearing that she does not translate it to herself. Yet the best part is when she finally sees what she can do through the coaching that we're providing and through the support that we're providing, it actually becomes so evident that she already had the skills to do it. Right. It's just like channeling all of the things that you use for other people in a lot of cases with my typical clients that you then need to pour that back into yourself. And Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of us just don't don't draw that commonality there to realize like, oh, wait a second. Like, I actually am very capable of doing this. And more importantly, it's going to make me feel really good. And why do we know that it's going to make you feel really good? Because we have evidence from these other areas of your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like the person who comes to me saying, I know that I'm very successful in my career, but let's get specific on that professional path. But I really don't love what I see when I get dressed for work. Like I put on a skirt or a dress or a blazer and I'm like this outside doesn't translate to how I feel in running a meeting and having a conversation and I want those two things to match. If you, if you latch on to that type of goal, where it's, you're just saying, I want these psyches to match, right? Like the inner and the outer, you are going to be successful. And you're also going to appreciate that there is no stopping point, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to stop in your career. So no. same thing applies here. Mm-hmm. And healthy mind equals healthy body. point blank. That mm-hmm. is, you can be do everything right. But if your mind is not right, you will not look the way you want to look. You will not achieve the goals that you want to achieve. It's just not going to happen. So if you're shitting on yourself all the time, mentally, you're never going to get there physically health, you know, is going to show up on your body. It's just totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I know we're coming to the top of our hour here, but I want you to take us all the way to the finish in terms of where powerlifting kind of came in. Cause I'm sensing that that's how you progressed. You started paying attention to what you were putting on the barbell. At what point were you like, Oh, maybe this is something new that I can explore for myself. How did that show up for you? Um, well, so I was, I was well into putting numbers on the barbell. Uh, yeah. and then my buddy that had trained with me for about five years, he's been saying it for ever since the bodybuilding shows, but he's like, you should really try powerlifting. You should try. Powerlifting. Okay. So he was like a and, voice in your ear. Uh, yeah. And then they were like, well, we're doing a meet on March 14th or whatever. When I started. And I was like, that's only eight weeks away. I can't be ready for that. It takes 16 weeks of prep and you got to do this and all mm-hmm. that. And, was, and he's like, oh, if you sign up, you'll be ready. <laughs> And I was like, I like that mentality. I was like, okay. So I signed up, did my first powerlifting meet. He said the minute I got off the bench, he knew that it was all over. Right. So I was like, oh, damn, I'm good at this. And then that turned into, yeah, it was fun. And then it turned into a crazy year where I set a couple national records and ended up going to the world championships and winning there. And it was so, it was a wild year. And then I got injured. So I've had some downtime and I'm reworking everything. But the thing that I realized through all of this is it's so hilarious because I look back on progress pictures where I'd gained the 55 pounds. So just a little thing here, people, I weigh the same amount I did as when I got done with my bodybuilding shows and I gained all the weight, I never lost the weight. Holy cow. Right. That's like, but how what? different do you look? I'm insane. I mean, when I look at myself in the mirror and this is probably maybe just part of how I've trained myself to think about myself. But when I look at myself in the mirror, I'm like, holy shit, you look awesome. Like I have filled out with the most incredible muscle because I eat and I eat a lot. I mean, I eat like 3000 calories a day. I have a ton Love of muscle. It, girl. I'm 132 pounds of lean mass at 155 pounds. So I am like a brick and it, it has changed my life completely with the way I think about bodies because I get con- compliments nonstop. People are like, Whoa, your legs are incredible people. And not that we need that validation. Right. But yeah. it's like, it's like, Whoa. And at a hundred at the same weight, three years ago, I thought I was overweight and I thought people would never want to come to me as a coach or four years ago now, never want to come to me as a coach. Cause I was overweight and all these things. And I completely changed that body composition. So, you know, take your eyes off the scale and start trying to build some quality muscle. Like people say, Oh, I want to be able to eat 3000 calories. Well, great. You want to eat 3000 calories, put that muscle on your body so you can feed that 3000 yeah. calories. Like it's a, the you, muscle's a sponge. Yeah, absolutely. So there's so many pieces to this, but getting strong changed everything for me because all I cared about was getting strong. And then my body turned around and was like, well, you're feeding me. You're taking good care of me. We're recovering. We're mentally healthy. Boom. Here's how you look now. Right. And it took, it took a long time. We're talking folks four years before everything started turning around, but it was worth it. And 
in the blink of an eye, it will happen to you if you just mm. stick with the process. Yeah. I I'm just going to repeat what you said, because it's so important to highlight you're the same weight now that you were post bodybuilding competition. And that crash of gaining all the weight you thought you shouldn't have, and that you didn't want at the time. And I mm -hmm. think that just speaks volumes to the maturity in your mindset and the growth and the journey and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I, that's what I would aspire to get all of our clients to start thinking that way. And why I think your message is so important. And I really appreciate you sharing all of that because that's the powerful stuff right there. Like mm -hmm. if we can just get more people to see that and hopefully they can begin to believe it through hearing your story and your perspective and how it evolved and being honest and real about the valleys of that too. And not just the peaks and not being able, like everything we can look back on and, and recreate how we saw it and, and whatever. But mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate you just kind of walking us through that and, and being so open about your story because I know it'll resonate with a ton of people. So thank you mm -hmm. for doing awesome. that. And I want to do one more quick thing before I let you go. Cause I know you got to run your mm -hmm. busy lady. Cause we're helping a lot of people out there, yeah. but I like to end all of my episodes where I feature guests with a quick little lightning round. I'm going to ask you some short questions that are like two, three word answers. We'll keep it fitness and nutrition themed for the most part. So you ready? Okay. I'm ready. All right. If you could only do one lift for the rest of your life, like one movement, what are we picking? bench press. It's my baby. Nice. I love it. Okay, yep. cool. I never get ladies that say that. I love it. Yep. You changed it up. I kind of thought after the powerlifting story, you might say that. <laughs> Let's go the opposite direction. If you could get rid of something from your training tomorrow, what are we doing away with? Um, something you just don't love. I hate leg pressing. Hate it. I wasn't going to expect you to say that. Okay. Yeah, what do we, yeah. what do you like to do instead? Just squat. <laughs> hey, it's, I'd argue some people might argue he gets the job done a little more effectively. So there you go. Yep. Open to interpretation, but we'll save that for another day. Mm -hmm. When it comes to your nutrition, what is a food that you can't live without? Well, I mean, there's whole macronutrients. Obviously we need a lot of protein, um, a food that I can't live without, you know, Hey, I'm just going to say this. This is probably like totally off the wall, but you know, some Ben and Jerry's is good for you from time to yes. time. Right. You can, feed I was those hoping workouts. you'd be more of a fun food. <laughs> that, that's what I, I mean, was going for. I got to pull that in every once in a while. Otherwise yeah. things aren't happening. Totally. What is, and this might not be a short answer, but I meant to ask you earlier and I can't let you go without it. What was the impetus behind the name of your podcast? Oh, God. Like, where did Fit Farming not, Food Mom I come so, from? I'm so got to change that name up. So I am going to rebrand and change that up. So uh, initially, okay. so we live on a farm. I'm an avid equestrian, actually. Um, cool. And uh, we live on a farm. And at the time, I was trying to come up with, I had a blog, and that was my Nice. my name okay. because I was like, it's got to flow when you type it in on the URL and sure. it's got to be, have be trendy. Cause everybody had like these trendy blog yes. names, you know, well yeah. then I, it was my brand and that's what, how it evolved. But now I'm just okay. like, I'm like, uh, does that lead my listener to what they need to be led sure. to? Sure. Probably not. It probably needs yeah. to change, but then I have this huge following. So I'm like, if I change it, is everybody going to be confused? But, right. Uh, yeah, I figured anyways. there had to be a good story behind it. So I was like, I can't let her go without asking that. Yeah. So I mean, that and makes it, sense. Was, it revolved around the fact that I'm a busy mom. I run a farm. I have a million things going on and I still make it happen. Right. Love that. We create our narrative and that was mine. Love that. Well, yeah. on that note, last but not least, the most important question, if we want to get more of all things, Connie, plug the podcast, tell us where we can find you on social media. We'll link all that stuff down in the show notes. All right. Well, so you can find me at the fit farming food mom podcast that might be changing. So, um, just Google Stay Connie tuned. Nightingale. Yeah. 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 Just Google Connie Nightingale, 8 million things come up. Uh, it's Nightingale like the bird. So not with a K, but with an N, uh, and you can find me on Instagram. I'll keep everybody updated on the possible rebranding of everything, but at Connie be gone. So like Connie be gone. Uh, say and uh that's an old i used to race motorcycles a long time ago that used to be the name so, look at you uh, so many things about you i know your instagram like, name is so easy to remember though because it's like so it just rolls off the tongue and it the rhyme i'm like yeah i, I know your handle well and it's kind of an testament to my life right full throttle let's go yes, so um, love that anyway that's where you can find me or connie i got a ton of awesome stuff on there i also need to update that as well but that's where you find me Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait for the listeners to hear this episode and you guys know the deal. Leave us a review. Make sure you subscribe to all things Connie. Check out her podcast. I can't 
you know, I'm obviously biased since I was on it, but we found each other because we have so much aligned as you could hear from this conversation. And I just know that if you guys enjoy this content that we share over here on the fix, you, there is no shortage of a lot of the similar kind of messaging and beliefs. And we just want to spread all this goodness. So if you're supportive of that mission, you will also share the show and make sure you leave a review because that helps both of us. And it really helps what we're working towards and trying to get better information out there to people. So we'd appreciate if you take the three seconds that it takes to go ahead and do that. But for everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as always. And from wherever you're listening from, we hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks guys. Oh, 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 oh,